The rush to turn humans into gods is on. Transhumanism flows from the Darwinian lie that mankind is getting better and better and better. What began billions of years ago as a wet rock has evolved, they say, into a species we call Homo sapiens. Just as today's humans have evolved well beyond a wet rock, tomorrow's humans, they say, can transcend Homo sapiens and become something post-human, something much better, they allege. Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell, radio for the remnant, brought to you by Olive Tree Ministries. Today, Jan talks to Dr. J.B. Hickson for the hour. What is the last day's role of a biblical false prophet? How are our times setting the stage for this apocalyptic player? And what is with the effort to turn humans into a god? We consider that and much more this hour. Jesus told us very plainly to beware of false prophets. Uh, as we get closer and closer to the rapture and the, the end times, we're going to see a, a proliferation in all of these false Christs and false prophets. Uh, as you know, several times in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus warns about the false Christ. And so... Uh, chapter, the very beginning of the book here just talks about how these uh, Luciferians are everywhere and they are, in fact, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing. And I kind of trace, you know, back through a biblical overview of what a false prophet is. We look at some examples throughout both biblical history in terms of scripture and then others, uh, you know, just in terms of modern history. Uh, and it's just amazing how when you really start to to take a look at it, we are living in a time when there are more lies being told about Christ, about the Bible than at any other time. And it's it's setting the stage for this uh, tyrannical reign of the uh, of the dynamic duo, the you know, the Antichrist and the false prophet. So glad you can join me for today's programming. I'm going to be joined momentarily by Dr. J.B. Hickson. Here are some questions my guest actually asks and that we will be considering, time permitting, of course. One would be, what is technocracy? How might artificial intelligence be used to deceive and control the masses? What signs do we see that a global surveillance grid is being put in place? How has technology been weaponized to aid and abet the globalists in their quest to dominate the world? Dr. J.B. Hickson, he writes in his newest book, and I'm quoting, Once a faint, barely distinguishable sound far away, the whistle aboard the engine of the New World Order now blows much louder and more frequently. Can you hear it? The stage is being set for the appearance of the Antichrist, and the curtain will soon rise. This man of sin will be the worst tyrant the world has ever known, and he will serve at the behest of Satan himself. The Luciferian globalist conspiracy is a biblical and historical reality. It is the greatest conspiracy of all, according to which Satan is conspiring with evil spirits in the celestial realm and human accomplices on earth to conquer God's entire creation. Now, this is my comment, and that is that Satan will not succeed. He hasn't figured that out yet. In my opinion, Satan is the proverbial optimist, but he is going to face reckoning here one of these days. Now, folks, we are not going to be conspiratorial this hour because we're dealing with facts and not fiction. We are carrying J.B. Hickson's newest book, The Spirit of the False Prophet, The Rise of Global Technocracy. And I'm going to be playing some complimentary sound bites this hour, and that's an effort to make our discussion very clear and concise. We can hear words like technocracy and transhumanism, 
and we can check out of a discussion because they're not all that familiar. So I urge you not to do this. I think these topics are for such a time as this. J.B. Hickson is a prolific author. We carry his other two books. I'll say more about that in just a little bit here. And when he is not traveling and speaking for conferences, etc., he is usually in the pulpit of Plum Creek Chapel near Denver, Colorado, where he serves as lead pastor. J.B. Hickson, welcome back to Understanding the Times Radio. Thanks, Jen. Great to be with you. Why is what you write about not conspiracy theory, but biblical reality? A conspiracy, of course, by definition, is two or more people working together to do something bad, usually planning it in secret. And in fact, something along the lines of 90% of all federal criminal cases have the word conspiracy in the title. So conspiracy in and of itself is very biblical. It's a term that's used in the Hebrew and the Greek text of the Bible, Old and New Testament alike. And the greatest conspiracy of all time is described right there in Psalm 2 by King David, where Mm -hmm. the kings and rulers of the earth are conspiring together to throw off God's shackles of control. They view them as shackles. Of course, God is sovereign and he is in control, but Satan has control issues and he doesn't like God's control. He wants to be in control himself. So he's working hand in puppet with human accomplices, as well as the evil spirits in the celestial realm, demons and the like, to try to defeat God. There are false conspiracy theories, obviously made up, things that aren't accurate, aren't factual, but the term conspiracy just refers to, in this case, the greatest conspiracy of all time, the global Luciferian conspiracy. It is tempting to want to name apocalyptic players. We get into that on this program all the time. I talked about it very recently with Barry Stagner, J.B. Hickson. Your first two books, you focused on the Antichrist. This one, you're really focusing on the false prophet, and I think he can get a little bit overlooked because of the prominence of the Antichrist, and they are a dynamic duo, as you say. When we focus on the false prophet, J.B. Hickson, we actually very frequently look to Rome and the possible source of that character being tied perhaps to the Vatican, and you actually look elsewhere, and the suspect shady fellow that you are looking at is Yuval Noah Harari. I want to get into him a little bit later, but still I want to reference him now because he plays such a prominent part in some of the things that you're unveiling here. But you told me off air why you are leaning away from Rome. I think that was important. Obviously, the seven-year tribulation is going to be a time of a revival of the Roman Empire, and it's going to be a Babylonian beast system. And I believe the Babylonian system is going to have three outposts. I think it will involve a literal rebuilt Babylon for the political center, the governance center. But then I think it'll have a religious component centered in Rome and a financial component, quite possibly centered in New York City, if America is still around by that time, but wherever the financial center of the world is. I definitely think Rome and the Roman Catholic Church will play a key role in the religious aspect of this beast system, the Antichrist and false prophet. And I think you can see the stage being set for that already. The Pope is getting much more ecumenical, and we're seeing him rub shoulders with people of all religions, clerics and mullahs. But I really believe the religious component that culminates at the midpoint with the Antichrist demanding that the whole world worship him is going to be more pluralist in nature. I just don't see a Muslim or a Catholic leader convincing everyone else to come under their tent. I think rather they're going to compromise. In fact, Daniel 11 tells us that, that the Antichrist will deny the gods of his fathers, and I see that as a shift towards pluralism. So it could be, obviously, because Rome plays such a central role in God's end times plan, it's natural for people to think in terms of the Pope. But my best guess, and like you said, we hate to speculate about apocalyptic characters. I call it pin the tail on the false prophet. Nobody likes to play that game. But I do think Jesus tells us to 
know the signs of the times and watch for the signs of the times. So as I studied the false prophet, and there is comparatively less data about him in Scripture than the Antichrist, of course, but there's enough that we can begin to piece things together. One fellow that rises to the fore that, to me, checks all the boxes, as a candidate anyway, would be Yuval Noah Harari. I'm going to go there just a little bit because I want to play a clip of him, but first I want to ask, so the false prophet or the second beast is referred to as the beast from the earth. Why don't you explain why that's even important? And that's another reason why I think he could be Jewish. Yeah, Revelation 13 is where we get a lot of data about the false prophet. Of course, the first 10 verses talk about the Antichrist, the beast from the sea. But then verse 11 says there's another beast coming up out of the earth, and he has two horns like a lamb, and he speaks like a dragon. And notice he exercises all the authority of the first beast, the Antichrist, in his presence, and he causes all on earth to worship the first beast. So he is basically the third person of the unholy trinity, and in the same way that God the Holy Spirit draws people to God the Son, Jesus Christ, the false prophet will be drawing people to the Antichrist and encouraging people to worship him, and in fact, orchestrating a system where they're required to under penalty of death. That's so important that people get the concept here. The false prophet's going to be drawing people to the Antichrist just like the Holy Spirit draws people to God. I think I want to go into this issue, and you write about it extensively, J.B. Hickson, Again, the book, you can find it in my store. It's The Spirit of the False Prophet, The Rise of Global Technocracy. So we want to get into explaining just a few terms, and particularly the terms that you zero in on in this book. Find it in my online store, folks, olivetreeviews.org. Go to the online store at olivetreeviews.org. And I think the term I want to start with, and what I might do is first I want to have you tell me why on earth my audience should be thinking about trying to wrap their brain around a term that has not even been prominent until perhaps the last 10 years. And I've talked to Carl Teichrib about this term, transhumanism, even 15 years ago, but he was ahead of his time. Why should we even be thinking about this term, transhumanism? It goes all the way back to Julian Huxley, and it is essentially the Luciferians' attempt to play God. They want to create human. They want to transcend humanity. They believe that Satan or Lucifer is the hero in the creation account. God is the antagonist, and that even though we believe Almighty God, the Creator, created mankind in His image, and we are image bearers of God, Satan thinks we're flawed, and he hates mankind because he hates God. And so when he looks at mankind and he sees this reflection of God and God's highest pinnacle of creation, he is seething and he wants to destroy us. So transhumanism really has two goals. Number one, it wants to marginalize God's humanity and make people think that we're nothing but useless breathers, that we're disposable, redundant, as Harari says and they can do much better in a laboratory. They can create a much better Homo sapien. That's what Harari says, is that in the same way that, according to Darwinian thought, Homo sapien has evolved over 65 million years from a wet rock, they think that the current Homo sapiens can evolve into something much better. And, of course, they're going to fail. As you mentioned at the outset, Satan is self-deceived, which is the worst kind of deception. He knows the Bible. He just doesn't believe it. What they're trying to do with transhumanism is transcend humanity to make it better and the old humanity they can discard and get rid of. I think this is a rather terrifying thought, the whole transhumanist agenda. I'm going to play a clip of you here, and you're elaborating a little bit more on what this term transhumanism actually means and why on earth 
Should we be even paying attention to it? And then, J.B. Hickson, what is its relevance to the Bible? Let me first play that clip, and then let me come back and then ask you again, how does this relate to the Bible? In his 1957 paper, Transhumanism, Julian Huxley wrote this, the human species can, if it wishes, transcend itself. Not just sporadically, an individual here in one way, an individual there in another way, but in its entirety as humanity. See, transhumanism flows from the Darwinian lie that mankind is getting better and better and better. What began billions of years ago as a wet rock has evolved, they say, into a species we call Homo sapiens. Just as today's humans have evolved well beyond a wet rock, tomorrow's humans, they say, can transcend Homo sapiens and become something post-human, something much better, they allege. Transhumanism is the Luciferian's effort to merge man and machine into a synthetically created being that will transcend humanity and achieve equality with God. It is, as I've said, a direct assault on the Creator Himself, because only God has the authority and the power and the ability to create ex nihilo, Latin for out of nothing. God spoke the world into existence out of nothing. He created time, space, and matter. In the beginning time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter, and He all spoke it into existence. He spoke it all into existence. To achieve divine status, these Luciferians must also be able uh, to create. They will never be able to do so, however, even though they're going to mimic it and uh, imitate it as best they can. In 2008, the World Transhumanist Association changed its name to Humanity Plus, signifying the movement's ongoing efforts at transcending humanity, as Huxley dreamed of doing. The organization's tagline is, Elevating the Human Condition. You didn't realize that as a human, you are in bad shape. You know, you just, you're really part of a bad class of being and, and you need help. You need to be elevated. Uh, we all suffer from a condition that needs to be improved. It's called humanity. And the Satanists think they can do better than God when it comes to uh, creating life. In September of last year, President Joe Biden signed a disturbing executive order that not surprisingly didn't get much attention in the mainstream uh, press. But Karen Kingston, a former Pfizer employee and current analyst for the pharmaceutical and medical device industries, provided a pretty to-the-point blunt summary of this executive order when she tweeted, quote, Let me read between the lines for America. Biden's September 12, 2022 executive order declares that Americans must surrender all human rights that stand in the way of transhumanism. Clinical trial safety standards and informed consent will be eradicated as they stand in the way of universally unleashing gene editing technologies needed to merge humans with AI in order to achieve the societal goals of the new world order. Crimes against humanity are not only legal, but now mandatory. You are listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Jan Markell. I have on the line from Sedalia, Colorado, Dr. J.B. Hickson. We carry his newest book, J.B. Hickson. Okay, I want to refer to this executive order for a moment again. It's 2022. I think this was a turning point. Am I right? Yes, no question. It wasn't out of nowhere. They've been telegraphing this for a while behind the scenes, but it just shows, again, how close we're getting to this era where humanity becomes marginalized and the technocrats take over the world. And that's right out of Scripture. So how does this apply to the Bible? What we're talking about, transhumanism, 
the highest powers in the land are president going along with all of this, encouraging and signing executive orders, et cetera. It sounds like it even has apocalyptic overtones. It really does. I think there are two ways that it is relevant to the study of the end times. In the first place, theologically, Satan, since he got kicked out of heaven for his failed coup attempt, has been trying to be God. His pride wants him to be God. He wants to be in charge. He wants everybody to worship him and notice him. Well, the highest pinnacle of God is creation. I mean, that's what he did. On the sixth day, he created man and beast, and to no other being did God say he's made in our image. Male and female, he created them. So Satan is systematically, with the help of his human accomplices, dismantling humanity. That's what the whole gender surrender movement is about, because AI does not have gender, and male and female are part of the image of God and man. That's what the depopulation agenda is about. Yuval Noah Harari talks about how human beings are essentially only useful for the data that they provide, like rats in a laboratory. So I think theologically, it's showing us that Satan is moving his agenda forward of trying to become God. He's conquered just about every frontier. He defeated marriage, another foundational Mm. institution, language, sanctity of life. And this is the one arena that he's not conquered yet. And of course, he never will be able to, as I said in that quote that you played. So theologically, it's definitely showing that we're getting close to the end. But there's a pragmatic aspect as well. In order for the beast and the false prophet to accomplish the things that the Scripture says they're going to accomplish, where the whole world is under their control, they're going to have to use technology, and that means embodied AI, biodigital convergence transhumanists. They've got to create these beings that can report back to them that are not human. Satan's vastly outnumbered in terms of the celestial beings. And he's not omniscient, he's not omnipresent, he's not omnipotent, so he's already at an underdog status in that sense. And so how is he going to control the whole world and see everything at once? I think it's going to be by deploying these new embodied AIs. I'm not quite leaving the role of the false prophet yet, because I think it's so key in what we're talking about. And you're quoting here John Walvoord. He's one of the scholars from Dallas Seminary now, passed on into glory. But Walvoord writes, the false prophet is active on behalf of the first beast and exercises his authority. Then you'd say verse 12 translated literally reads, he exerts all the authority of the first beast in his presence using his satanic power He causes the earth, that is, those who dwell on the earth, to worship the first beast whose wound unto death was healed, according to verse 3. And then Walvoord concludes here, There is some evidence pointing to the conclusion that the second beast is the head of the apostate church during the first half of Daniel's 70th week. And then he concludes, With the rise of the first beast to a place of worldwide dominion, the apostate church is destroyed, according to Revelation 17, 16. And the worship of the whole world is directed to the beast out of the sea. The second beast, however, survives the destruction of the church, which he had under his control, and he assists the beast in making the transition, facilitating this change into the final form of apostate religion. The beast of the earth causes men to worship the first beast. Again, to me, there is a reference there. I read into it. Rome. And again, that's where many people come up with the Vatican, the Pope, etc. We don't know that. We simply do not know that, but it's all interesting things to speculate on. So this figure comes out of Rome. And I think the thing that you said a minute ago, J.B. Hickson, and that is that this transhumanism is going to make man better and better. And that does seem to be the mantra of today in the unbelieving world. 
It's the mantra of the whole Luciferian system, build back better. They want everything to be built back better. And it goes back to the Hegelian dialectic of Friedrich Hegel, where they've got to create chaos so that they can restore it in a way that suits their agenda and suits their needs. I think there are some elites in the transhumanist movement of our day that may not be directly aware that this is part of a Luciferian conspiracy. They honestly have these utopian dreams of living forever and overcoming death. But make no mistake about it, it is a satanic agenda at the top tier, and they are using it as a weapon to both simultaneously dismantle God's creation and create their own new humanity that transcends God's humanity. J.B. Hickson pastors Plum Creek Chapel, and you can learn more about his outreach at notbyworks.org notbyworks.org. And we do carry his previous two books, The Spirit of the Antichrist. This newest one is The Spirit of the False Prophet, The Rise of Global Technocracy. And I will get into just what is technocracy here in just a minute or two. But would I be right in making the assumption here that to do what we've outlined here in the first part of the programming would really require a cashless society? If so, I do want to play just a short clip of you and Mondo Gonzalez, but why don't you address that for a moment? Absolutely. We have a whole chapter on CBDCs, digital currency, the global digital ID system. That's why this technology aspect is so vital that right now, if you want to buy something, you can do it below the radar. If you just trade physical currency for something in your driveway, you sold something to some neighbor, no one's going to know. But they're going to roll out a system where every single transaction is tracked and easily accessible. And what's key is it can also be turned off instantly. In fact, I was just talking to a banker about this the other day. Right now, it takes one to two days for certain transactions to go through so that if you do something that the government doesn't like, they may have to come back on you and address it later. But with this instantaneous system that's being rolled out all across the globe, they're just waiting to connect it all together. That will no longer be the case. They can stop you in the moment from traveling, from buying something, from accessing even your own data. So the digital aspect is critical. So I walked into the Amazon store and I was like, oh, it's an Amazon store. Oh, wow, I've heard about these. I'd love to go in. So I go in and there's a gate right there at the front and I, I couldn't get in. There was a there was a bar, you know, like you would have. And I couldn't get in until I opened up my app and I had the QR code and I put it on the hmm. thing. And so I, I, I walked in and then right behind there was other people. And it, it was just amazing the time because I turned around and I, this other lady walks in and she just put her palm, mm. not even her, I had my phone, mm. but I certainly wasn't going to imprint my palm on there. But she puts her palm on there and she walks in. Well, I was like, well, how does this work? This is interesting. And so it said on there, just get what you want, walk out. So I went in there and I got a few items, toothbrush or whatever. And and I walked out and, and I got this, boom, as soon as I walked out, an email comes up. Hey, here's your receipt yeah. for uh, what you bought at the store. And it took it out of my, and I was like, oh, wow, here we are. N- no, no registers. No cashiers. Uh, there was there was one person that was in there that was uh, maybe supplying some of the stuff on the on the shelves. But other than that, didn't need to talk to them. Mm-mm. And I, as I stood there, I watched a handful of people just boom in and out. I mean, it was like, wow, this is pretty amazing. Well, then another store we went to just to get some coffee. There, we hand them some cash. They're like, we don't we don't take cash. Uh-uh. I go, really? Like, I go, is this normal? They go, well, most of Seattle's this way. Yeah. But and 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 as we we discussed, other places in China. They're already there, uh, social credit scores. But here's my, here's my point, all that to say, that as Christians, we might be forced into a digital or cashless system 
That doesn't mean that we are taking the mark of the beast by being forced into that, because that's in the middle, but it's already here. And so as Christians, um, before the rapture, it might be full blown before we get out of here, right? Oh, yeah. I, and I think if the Lord's return doesn't happen very soon, we will be there. So uh, what you experienced in Seattle is happening in other parts of the world universally. Sweden. Yeah. yeah. It's, oh, you yeah. name it. You name it. Yeah. yeah. And so it is exactly what they're headed for. By the way, your experience at that second coffee shop just shows you that the Federal Reserve, which is a privately owned central bank, is a bunch of liars because the, the actual debt instruments that we hold in our wallet say right this on. is legal tender for all debts, private and public. Yep. Well, apparently not at that coffee shop, right? Yep, exactly. So they're lying on their own debt instruments. But uh, but yeah, we are definitely headed towards a cashless society. I, I have a whole chapter on that in the new book, and I give some quotes of people like the, the chairman of the Bank for International Settlements, the chairman of the Bank of America, others just openly saying, we want to get rid of all cash because cash is not trackable and traceable. Mm -hmm. So I can, you know, give you when we're done here, uh, $20 for some uh, item that you're going to sell me and no one will be the wiser. Private, I mean, private, private secret, yeah, totally even. private. Yep. Black market, whatever. Right. So, but with digital, everything's trackable. That was Mondo Gonzalez from Prophecy Watchers. And J.B. Hickson, you're at their conference this weekend. Why don't you tell us where it's going to be held? I'm excited to be in Norman, Oklahoma at the Hilton Hotel there. You can find out more on our website at notbyworks.org. But if you're at the conference, and I know many of your listeners will be at that conference, Jen, Come by the Not By Works table in the exhibit area and say hello to me and my wife and my kids will be there. My daughter works for the ministry and my other kids will be with us. Love to meet you guys at the Prophecy Watchers Conference in Norman, Oklahoma. Say just a few basic announcements here. We are now on Truth Social as well as Facebook, Gab, Twitter or X, Telegram and Instagram. So join the discussions on those various platforms. We're also on YouTube and Rumble, Light Source his channel, Christian TV. Keep in mind that on YouTube, there are at least 100 hijacked programs of ours. Look for subscribers. Our channel has almost 200,000 subscribers. You don't want to access the stolen programs, folks. They are altered. And then we are just off of our Understanding the Times one night meeting with Pastor Barry Stagner, and that would be Pastor Mark Henry and yours truly. That would have been on October the 5th. We had a great evening, a great turnout just outside of Minneapolis. We talked about current issues and light of the Bible, and we have a DVD. It will be on our online store posting here in a day or two. The program will be posted to our website under video in the next day or two as well. You can watch at no cost. Again, that's olivetreeviews.org and go to video, olivetreeviews.org and go to video. The next meeting, February 22nd, 2024, with Mondo Gonzalez. So get on our email newsletter list or print magazine list or both, and you can visit our website, olivetreeviews.org, and go to newsletters. It's an easy and simple way to keep up with all we are doing. Now, when I come back, lots more that we need to talk about, because talking for the hour with Pastor J.B. Hickson, Spirit of the False Prophet, the Rise of Global Technocracy. We'll give you a definition of the term technocracy. And we've been talking about the false prophet. He kind of gets pushed in the shadows because everybody wants to talk about the Antichrist, but this is his number one ally during that time of Jacob's trouble, Daniel's 70th week, also known as the Biblical Tribulation. We want to take just a little bit closer look at Yuval Noah Harari. He is definitely a suspicious character. 
It's a part of the apocalyptic lineup for the end of days. So more when I come back in just a minute or two. Don't go away. A religion that embraces all the fractions within, a religion that embraces all other religions from outside, a religion that embraces science, a religion that embraces an understanding of radical terrorism, a religion that embraces sexual immorality, a religion that is even embracing the need for a world government. I'm not sure what the name of that religion is going to be, but I sure know that you all know what religion we're talking about. And you all know that the leader of that religion eventually will be the false prophet. Welcome back. You're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Jan Markell. I have on the line Dr. J.B. Hickson. That was my good friend Amir Sarfati, and he holds to the position, as do many, not everyone, that the false prophet very likely will be coming out of Rome, and I think he feels will be coming out of the Vatican. And Dr. Hickson suggests that that's certainly possible, but it also could involve somebody who might be involved in a faith that is a global faith. Something like the New Age movement, or kind of ethereal, that's really not a real faith, but it's a New Agey type movement. Would I be correct there? I think so. A pluralist approach that basically says, come one, come all. There are all different ways of achieving eternal life or salvation, whatever they call it. I think one of the reasons why so many scholars believe he's going to be Jewish is that there's got to be some compelling reason to deceive the Jewish people. And Jesus, as you know, repeatedly cautions that future tribulation generation against being deceived of false Christ. And sadly, many will be. And I just find it all biblical data taken as a whole, easier to see the false prophet as being a Jew than being the Pope. But Amir is in good company. A lot of scholars take it that way. I guess someday we'll know for sure. But either way, there's no question that the church in Rome will play a key role because it's such a massive global religion like Islam. So both of those religions will have key players, and I could see a scenario where a pope breaks off from Rome and abandons the god of his fathers, the way the Bible says the Antichrist is going to do, and then aligns himself with the Antichrist and champions a new religion. I mean, it's certainly very plausible when you look at the biblical data. So you write this, I'm quoting you here, whether through personal pleasures or patriotism, the objective is the same. Get as many people as possible to embrace the globalist slash antichrist agenda willingly. You say the false prophet will use deceit, not just force, to suppress the will of the people. The tyranny that will unfold in the tribulation period will be administered as much by servers, cameras, and Wi-Fi as by guns, batons, and paddy wagons. You say artificial intelligence, biometric surveillance, subdermal microchips, gene-modifying injections, are paving new and more effective ways to bridle the masses. The Luciferian elites are obsessed with technology in the myriad ways they can use it to further their dystopian dreams. You say William Ramsey may have been right when he said the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist. If so, the second greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing the world that technology is our friend. Explain why you just wrote that. If you look at what the Bible says is going to happen during the 70th week of Daniel, it's going to be a full-spectrum planetary control grid 
it's easy for us to conceive of how God controls the world. He's sovereign, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, but how can a human agent at the behest of Satan implement some type of global government that is all-encompassing and all-controlling? Well, he has to use technology. The subtitle of the book is Rise of the Global Technocracy, and a technocracy is just a form of governance whereby government officials or policymakers known as technocrats are chosen by some higher authority due to their technical skills or expertise in a specific area. And I believe the beast and false prophet will use technology to usher in this full-spectrum planetary control grid. It's like a technocratic kingdom. So right now, they've been paving the way systematically really in the last two decades in earnest to roll out technology as a carrot, and everybody's jumping on board. Indeed, technology in and of itself is morally neutral. It can be used by God's people to advance the gospel, and we certainly do that here at NBW Ministries. Our passion is the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel. We want everyone to know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died and rose again to pay their personal penalty for sin, and that only through faith in him can anyone be forgiven of their sins and have eternal life. So we use technology to do that. But make no mistake, the devil, as he always does, will take what God means for good and twist it and pervert it and turn it and use it as a mechanism of control. And that's what really a technocracy is all about. I think what I'd like to do is talk for a few minutes on this Yuval Noah Harari. I've done programs on him where I could spend the entire closing segment on him, but he is by far one of the most suspicious characters, perhaps apocalyptic, we don't know. The credits that he has are just staggering. I'll give those in just a moment or two. I think you focus appropriately on this character, and I think you suggest, and you already implied that a few minutes ago, you suggest that he already believes in a new agey type faith that would be appropriate for a tribulation-type religion. I call him in chapter 5 a wolf in wolf's clothing, because unlike many of the earthly Luciferians, he doesn't even attempt to hide his evil machinations behind a well-tailored suit of wool. He's just right out front with it blasphemous, the kinds of things that he's saying. And you're right, he comes up a lot at prophecy conferences over the last year, year and a half. I actually talk about him in my previous two books. But I decided to do a deep dive just because someone that's given as big a platform as he has, that doesn't happen by accident. There's something deeper going on here. And I just wanted to know his background. So a lot of people may have known this, certainly people that have studied him. But a lot of this was new to me, his despicable sexual promiscuity. He brags about in an interview that I found about how during one stage of his life, he set a goal to have a new partner every night. And I think most of our listeners know that he's a homosexual. And then he even laughed and said, but if I miss tonight, no problem, I can have two the next night. This is him speaking in a recorded interview. He's just shamefacedly talking about his immorality. And of course, he has no moral compass. And then the fact that he's tied into Klaus Schwab shows that he's a key player today. He's one of their official agenda policymakers. He's out speaking on the main stage at the World Economic Forum. He's out at smaller symposiums. And it just seems like he comes up everywhere. And if you do a search online for Yuval Noah Harari videos, and I did this recently, the first 182 videos that come up are all unique and different. And they're all things like TED Talks and 60 Minutes and MSNBC and Fox News. And it just shows that he's prevalent. But you mentioned his bio. I actually, from his own website, repeat his entire bio. And it takes up two pages yeah. in the book. It reads like a who's who of things, and he's got his fingers in just about every arena. So I've assembled some clips of him, and we'll run them all together here and come back and make another comment or two. Talking to J.B. Hickson for the hour, 
We are carrying his newest book, Spirit of the False Prophet, The Rise of Global Technocracy. Find it in my online store. You can call my office, get on our newsletter list. Let's play this clip, and then I want to come back and discuss it for just a few minutes. The next big projects of humankind will be to overcome old age and death and to basically upgrade humans into gods. In the Bible, in the book of Genesis, basically the first thing God does is to create animals and plants and humans according to his wishes. We are now trying to gain this divine ability to ourselves. And in a way, we are even reaching beyond what ancient religions ascribed to, to the gods. Because the gods, like Jehovah in the Bible, they could create only organic beings. If you look, if you're a creationist, and you look at the world, so all these animals, all these plants, God created them, and they are all organic. Now humans are trying to do better than that. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some God above the clouds, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds, the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. We are really acquiring divine powers of creation and destruction. We are really upgrading humans into gods. We are acquiring, for instance, the, the power to re-engineer life. Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. We don't have any answer in the Bible what to do when humans are no longer useful to the economy. You need completely new ideologies, completely new religions and they are likely to emerge from Silicon Valley or from Bangalore and not from uh, uh, the Middle East. And they are likely to, pro to give people visions based on technology. Everything that the old religions promised, uh, happiness and justice and even eternal life, but here on earth with the help of technology and not after death with the help of some supernatural being. That in 200 years, Earth is dominated by entities which are more different from us than we are different from Neanderthals. Um, different bodies, different brains, different minds. Artificial intelligence and technology in general are going to break out of this limited realm of organic biology and create something completely new. Surveillance, people could look back in a hundred years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin, which I think is maybe the most important development of the 21st century, is this ability to hack human beings, to go under the skin, collect biometric data, analyze it and understand people better than they understand themselves. This, I believe, is maybe the most important event of the 21st century. Maybe in a couple of decades when people look back, the thing they will remember from the COVID crisis 
is this is the moment when everything went digital. And if, this, is, this was the moment when every, everything became monitored. That we agreed to be surveyed all, all the time, not just in authoritarian machines, but even in democracies. And maybe most importantly at all, this was the moment when surveillance started going under the skin. Because really we haven't seen anything yet. I, I think the, the big process that's happening right now in the world is uh, hacking human beings, the ability to hack humans, to understand deeply what's happening within you, what, what makes you, what, what, what makes you go. For that, the most important data is not what you read and who you meet and what you buy, it's what's happening inside your body. So we had these two big revolutions, the computer science revolution or the infotech revolution and the revolution in the biological sciences. And they are still separate, but they are about to merge. They are merging around, I would say, the biometric sensor. It's the thing, it's the gadget, it's the technology that converts biological data into digital data that can be analyzed by computers. And having the ability to really monitor people under the skin, this is the, the biggest game changer of all. Mr. Harari is an Israeli. You heard him say that he wants to turn humans into gods. That is transhumanism. That is what we opened the programming with, discussing transhumanism and he wants to hack humans. Again, chilling, Mr. Harari. Obviously, he's one of the primary globalists of our day. He's an academic, a scientist, a historian, an economist, a political strategist, a news commentator, an author, a philosopher. He's a lecturer, a cartoonist. He's written children's books. Some of his other books have sold 45 million copies in 65 languages. That means he's one of the primary movers and shakers of society here in the 21st century. Your comment, J.B. Hickson? To a lost world, he is really impressive, and he's likable, and that's why he does so many interviews, and he lectures all around the world on college campuses. People love him, and that's another reason why I think he seems to be at least a prototype of what the false prophet will be. But one of the things that he said in that clip that you played is about how humans are no longer useful to the economy. Once again, this shows the direct contrast between Satan's view of mankind and God's view of mankind. I mean, mankind is made in God's image. We're here to bring glory to him. Satan thinks humanity is just a means to an end of creating money. Of course, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Satan wants to get rid of humanity and create other ways of making money, and that's certainly what they're doing with technology. We see unemployment at an all-time high, and a lot of experts say within the next one to two years, we could see as much as 80% unemployment. And I talk about that in the book. Who knows if that's the case, but certainly that's what they're going towards. And they're using the global climate change hoax as a means to say, we got to get rid of all these people breathing air and polluting the world. It's a multi-pronged attack, but all of it is about Satan, who Jesus tells us is a killer. He's a murderer. He wants to kill people. So that's where this is all headed. You're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Jan Markell, talking to J.B. Hickson for the hour. And you can learn more at notbyworks.org, notbyworks.org. You write this. You say the United States has long been a stumbling block for the Luciferian slash globalists on the road to the New World Order. It is not our leaders who are the problem. Most of them sold out to the globalist pressure long ago. You say it is our citizenry that strike fear in the hearts of technocrats. 
with a rich history of freedom, faith, and family, most Americans will not go gently into the good night, as Dylan Thomas phrased it. But this fact has not deterred the globalists from their mission. I think there's been two obstacles in the way, J.B., both America and Christianity, because we're not going to go quietly into the night either as Christians. Amen. There is a remnant. The Bible is very clear about that. I think we are seeing a falling away of the church today. That's also biblical and prophetic. But there's a remnant. There are people like you and Olive Tree Ministries and others that champion the authority of God's Word and understand Bible prophecy and realize that we're the good guys in this battle. But the church, by and large, is asleep at the wheel and not standing up for truth. I think, as I describe in the book, America has also been a key stumbling block, which is why in the early 1900s, Satan's earthly accomplices got together and decided in earnest. This is well documented. I documented in both my previous two books in this series as well. And they said, we got to bring down America. And they've been trying desperately to do that ever since. What they're finding out, of course, is that their blueprint, their timetable, is no match for God's timetable. And so even though they're telegraphing what their plans are with things like Agenda 21 and Agenda 30 and even Alice Bailey channeling the demon Master DK and talking about the year 2025, a hundred years ago, 15 times in her writing, she mentions that year from demonic sources. That's their plan. It's very clear that this decade is the key, but that doesn't matter. God's the one who's the ultimate arbiter of the timetable. And when he's ready to shift into the final phase of his plan of the ages, then and only then will it happen. But nevertheless, it's helpful for us to be aware of their plan, because if the Lord tarries is coming, as you said, we may find ourselves in this technocratic tyranny already. And so how will we function? How will we respond? Well, I have a whole chapter in the new book on escaping the prison planet and things that people need to think about. We can't just sit back and assume that the Lord's going to rescue us before things get bad. They're bad already. Let's go there for a moment, because you're right. You talk about what on earth can we do to fight back here? And you've got a chapter or two in your book on that particular topic. Why don't you give us some insight on that? I find the whole situation completely overwhelming. You make a lot of suggestions. Some I think are very easy to do and should be noted as very important. Other things, for instance, you suggest that maybe people should separate from a smartphone. Obviously, these things are all tracking us. They're recording almost everything we do. I found myself today with the smartphone. I just decided I got to turn it away from where I am. You know, I just wanted a moment where I knew it wasn't watching me all day long. So I'm very well aware that these things, the computer, et cetera, they're all very invasive, let's put it that way. So how do we break loose? You're right. Sometimes it seems like we're living in a time when it's always winter, but it never gets to be Christmas, like Lucy told Edmund in Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. But we can't let fear be our motivator. The Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear. We must not be scared, but we must be prepared. Proverbs 22.3 says the wise person sees trouble coming and prepares for it. So a couple of general principles that I would start with, and that is, number one, if you can't touch it, you don't own it. So folks really do need to seriously consider converting their intangible money into tangible commodities, because if it's nothing more than dashes and dots on a computer screen or ones and zeros, that can easily be taken away. I mean, if they can manipulate elections and they can hack into the NSA servers and they can hack into email. It's nothing to hack into these financial systems. And we've seen many examples of that already. So I would say only leave in banks and portfolios that which you're prepared to lose, because according to their plan, as we see Bible prophecy taking shape, there's going to come a day if the Lord hasn't come back when we wake up and try to log into our accounts and that's going to be gone. 
I think it's kind of a two-pronged thing. You got to have eyes wide open and be aware of this stuff. But at the same time, we can't drop out of society, move to a mountaintop and sing Kumbaya. We have to function and do the job that God has for us as human beings. We're here for a reason. We've got to share the gospel, make a difference. As Paul says, shine like lights in this perverse generation. So we can't drop out. That's not what God wants us to do. So we keep on going. We function with some sense of normalcy, but always aware in the back of our mind that these things are a reality. Like you said, knowing that we're being tracked. By the way, we have a free preparedness guide at notbyworks.org. Folks can go to our website, click on the store, and there's a whole free section of stuff they can just download. It's a 12-page guide that helps them think through some of these issues. But I think you need to ask yourself, what if you couldn't get to Walmart? What if you were confined to your home for six months? By the way, that's just a good thing to do anyway. And apart from Bible prophecy, there could be a natural disaster. There could be an economic collapse. There could be some type of electrical grid or problem. And so I think it's smart to think through, what if I had to survive without leaving the house for a while, or I could only go out in my yard if the roads were closed down? So preparing with food, supplies, water, the four keys are food, water, protection, and shelter, depending on where you live. Can you stay warm? Can you get relief from the heat? Do you have shade? Do you have shelter? Those types of things. So it's really, we've become so conditioned, and this is by design in the Luciferian conspiracy, to just depend on the government and depend on society for our needs. But think back not that long ago to the pioneer days. Think of Ma and Pa Ingalls who headed west. And if Pa didn't go out and kill a deer that day, they didn't eat. They didn't rely on anything but themselves, self-sufficiency. And we can do it. I mean, the Bible, we've got 6,000 years of human history, and it's really only been the last hundred. And really, even if you drill down into the real modern technology, only the last 50, that we've had the mindset that we do today. I just believe in building people up, reminding them who they are and what they can accomplish, and thinking through these issues. Do what you can. There's some things you can't do. Don't worry about that. It's not a matter of preparedness versus faith. The Bible teaches both. The Bible says the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is from the Lord. We don't want to presume on God by doing nothing, but at the same time, we don't want to forget God, and we got to trust Him through it all. One thing we did not get to, and I'd like you to take a couple of minutes to address it, because you cover quite extensively the whole role of artificial intelligence in what you've written here. And I have often said that the Antichrist needs a system to govern and manage his empire, the tribulation, Daniel's 70th week. And he's going to tap into the wonder of artificial intelligence. Oh, it will be stunning. I'm glad we're not here to see it. But nonetheless, give us a paragraph or two on AI. That's my favorite chapter in the book. It's chapter six. It's called Artificial Intelligence, Science Fiction No Longer. I have some powerful stuff in there. I did an interview with the help of my technologist friend with AI, Jesus, the fake Jesus. And it is really stunning the kinds of things that this fake Jesus said and how many hundreds of thousands of people, particularly young people, are flocking to these different apps on your phone. But you're exactly right, Jan, that AI is essentially Satan's key weapon. It is his intercontinental ballistic missile. It is what he's going to use to completely control everybody. And it's not just something that necessarily he institutes, because remember, the Bible says he only has seven years to do the things that the Antichrist and false prophet say they're going to do. I believe they're going to step into a fairly fully developed system. So it only remains to be seen how much of it is in place before the Lord rescues the church and we meet him in the air. A lot of it could come to being after the rapture, prior to the signing of the covenant that starts the 70th week of Daniel. A lot of it could come to pass even before the rapture. And that's what we need to understand is that this stuff is happening 
rapidly. I give several examples. It's the biggest chapter in the book, and I give several examples from leading secular scientists who aren't even believers, probably. I guess we don't know for sure, but these are not coming from a biblical worldview, and they talk about the dangers of AI. Again, not to scare people. I'm not suggesting we should be cowering in the corner, but it is a reality. We're not to be asleep at the wheel. First Thessalonians 5, 6 tells us to be awake and recognize this stuff is happening. I think AI is really the key to the coming technocracy that the false prophet will oversee. Again, we're carrying the book, Spirit of the False Prophet, Rise of Global Technocracy, and we also carry his first two books, Spirit of the Antichrist, olivetreeviews.org, olivetreeviews.org. Just go to my online store. We charge no shipping in the U.S. or Canada. We'll try to get this out to you promptly. J.B. Hickson, thank you for all you do, and we will stay in touch and appreciate all that you write and praying that you have a very prosperous weekend with Prophecy Watchers. I want to go out of the hour, and I've said it on Understanding the Times Radio many times, that based on Psalm 2, God laughs at these schemers, movers, and shakers who call themselves globalists. They will have their paradise soon. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble or Daniel's 70th week. It's the biblical tribulation. And the believers have a global kingdom ahead as well. It's called the millennium. And Jesus will rule from Jerusalem. A lion and a wolf will lie down with the lamb for 1,000 literal years, followed by the new heavens and the new earth. So while we can be talking about troubling things that are going on in the present and probably the near future. Ultimately, I do want those of you who name the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to realize we have an incredible future ahead of us, a future that is out of this world. I want to thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Contact us through our website, olivetreeviews.com. Dot O-R-G. That's olivetreeviews.org. Call us Central Time at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. You get our mail when you write to Olive Tree Ministries and Jan Markell, Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. That's Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. All gifts are tax deductible. Yes, we live in troubling times, but you are called for such a time as this to be a light in the darkness and know that everything is orchestrated by God so that everything falls into place. <laughs>